0: So our last word series has really been leading us up to Easter Sunday, because starting in John 13, Jesus begins to tell his disciples what's about to happen. And it's leading us right up to his arrest, his crucifixion, and ultimately his resurrection in John chapter 20. And we see Jesus teaching his disciples some incredible truths, We see him um, teaching, teaching them, and now in John chapter 17, we see that Jesus is going to pray for his disciples. I said earlier, I'm so grateful for our staff team here at Orlando Baptist Church, our pastors and staff, and I'm grateful uh, to be able to trust Corey and John to to speak, and I, I have total confidence in them. I'm so grateful for Pastor Don Norman, who's sitting right over here on the front row, who has served so faithfully at this church and in other ministries for for a long time, right Pastor Don? And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for him, and for Pastor Carlos Quintana, who leads our Spanish uh, congregation who 's meeting right now uh, over in the fellowship hall i 'm grateful for these these men of god and and others who serve on our church staff and man it, it is it 's an incredible gift as a as a pastor and leader to be able to trust them and know that 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 they are um, loving and serving god and, and that i don 't have to worry about about them and i don 't have to worry about whether they 're going to get the things done that they need to get done and whether they're going to do it right. I mean, like, it's just, you know, have you ever handed something off and you just have total confidence that you know it's going to get done? Right? I mean, I I hope you've experienced that before, that that you've been able to hand something off and say, okay, I don't have to worry about it. I know that those people are going to come through and, and that's the kind of team we have. On the other hand, we've probably also all experienced handing something off and we're not quite sure whether it's gonna get done or not, right? Maybe you have a coworker and, uh, and they never quite seem to finish the task that they're supposed to finish and you end up doing double work. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's happened before. Those of you who are parents, maybe you've asked your teenager to clean their room, but you know, That's probably not gonna happen. At least not the first time or the second time or the third time. It might take the fourth time. You might have to raise your voice a little bit. You might have to take away a phone for it to finally get done. Right now, um, so Brooke and I have four kids, two, two daughters who are in high school and middle school and two little boys who are seven and six years old. And Jeremy and David are at the stage in their life where they like to do things themselves now. You know, they're, they're getting more independent, and, um, and, you know, we used to give them their drinks in a, in a cup with a lid and a straw because we knew they were going to spill their cup, but now they don't want to do that anymore. They're big boys, okay? So, so they don't want a uh, cup with a lid and a straw. They want glasses like everybody else at the table, and not only that, they want to pour their own drink. They don't want mom or dad to pour their drink for them anymore and they like to drink lemonade and it's full of sugar and they get that gallon jug of lemonade and they start to pour it in the glass and Brooke and I are sitting at the table going, okay, be, care- be careful, be careful, be careful. Because when that sticky lemonade hits the floor, that's, that is a multi-day cleanup, right? You walk in and you just stick into the floor. So they, they pour the lemonade and successfully get the lemonade poured, but the glass is a little full and now they're walking to the table Right, and it's just kind of use both hands, use both hands, use both hands, and and it's sloshing over the side, and you're oh. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So um, this morning we're going to look in John chapter 17, and we're going to see something incredible, because Jesus hands off an incredible trust to those who are Christians. For those of us who have called on the name of Jesus for salvation, Jesus hands off to us this incredible responsibility. He he gives to us a, a job to do. We're gonna see in John chapter 17 that Jesus lived to bring glory to God, and now He entrusts us to carry God's glory into the world. Jesus lived to bring glory to the Father. And now he entrusts you and me to carry that glory into the world. And it's an incredible thought. Because I don't know about you, but I don't trust myself (laughs) to carry God's glory. And yet, this is Jesus' plan. For us to be the carriers of God's glory into the world. I mean, I'm like the little kid who's sloshing their lemonade all over the floor, and yet this is Jesus' plan for us to carry God's glory into the world. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, how can we participate? How can we participate with Jesus in bringing glory to the Father? And John 17 is going to help us understand that. So we're going to read the first 10 verses of this chapter together, and then we'll kind of go through and... And look at some principles this morning. If you, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to stand up as we read out of John 17 this morning, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 10. Here's what it says, verse 1, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all people so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. Because I have given them the words you gave me. They received them, and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours." Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I am glorified in them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for this prayer. Thank you that you pray for the disciples and as we'll see this morning, ultimately you pray for us. What an incredible thought that the eternal word of God prays for us. And Lord, this morning as we look at your word, help us to understand the calling that you have given us to carry your glory into the world. Lord, uh, give us a sense of awe and wonder at what you have invited us to participate in. Lord, mold us and shape us, sanctify us today by your word because your word is truth. We love you, we thank you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. So, Jesus prays here in John 17, and this prayer, this chapter starts off by saying, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said... So this this first little statement Jesus spoke these things as a reference back to John 13 14 15 and 16 and the teachings that Jesus had given his disciples remember in John 13 we see that Jesus washed his disciples feet And then he gave them this incredible teaching on love, how he has loved them by washing their feet. He calls us to love each other in the same way. And he tells us that people will know that we're his disciples by how we love one another. Corey gave us this incredible statement in that message. Just said this, behold, the son of God washing feet. I don't know about you, but that's kind of stuck with me over the last couple of weeks. Behold, the Son of God washing feet. And in John chapter 13, we see Jesus display and then teach about his love. In John 14, we see Jesus tell his disciples that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Teaches us about who he is and how we can come to the Father through him. And he begins to teach us about the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that he would send. In John chapter 15, John uh, spoke for us, John Adams, not John the Apostle, John Adams spoke for us that week out of John chapter 15 and, and helped us understand what it means to abide in Christ. That he is the true vine and John reminded us that there are false vines out there. That there are other places where we seek to draw life and growth, but they will always come up empty. And the way we abide and Christ, John reminded us, was to continually reorient or turn our hearts to Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done for us. Again, in John chapter 15, Jesus gives us a little bit more information about the Holy Spirit, the comforter that He would send. And then last week, we were in John chapter 16, and Josh Zuniga preached out of that passage and reminded us that we can find joy even in sorrow because Christ has overcome the world. And we again see Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. And now we get to John chapter 17. Jesus spoke all of those things, these incredible teachings to his disciples, his last words to his disciples. And now he transitions out of his message to them and into his closing prayer. And so it's Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that he may glorify you. Maybe you remember in John chapter 13, that same phrase, the hour had come, is used. It tells, tells us that Jesus knew that his hour had come and so he washed the disciples' feet. This hour, this time that it's talking about is, is, is the ultimate completion of the mission that God had given Jesus. We see uh, throughout the book of John, in John chapter 2, Mary, Jesus' mother, asks him to turn water into wine, and he says, mom, my time has not come. Do you remember that? In John chapter 7, there are some crowds who were trying to arrest Jesus, but it tells us that his time had not yet come, and so they were unable to arrest him. In John chapter 8, again, these crowds, they, they are trying to arrest Jesus, but it tells us that his hour, his time had not yet come, but here we are, and now Jesus' time had come. His hour had come. John chapter 17, we see Jesus pray. In John chapter 18, we see soldiers come into the garden to arrest Jesus Christ because his time had come. This, this time that was set aside, the book of Galatians tells us when the perfect time had come, at just the right time, when the time had come to completion, God sent forth his son to be born into the world to save those born in the world. Jesus' time had come. And Jesus recognizes at the beginning of this prayer that, Father, it's time. It's time. It's time for me to complete the mission that you've given me. It's time for me to go to the cross. It's time for me to endure and suffer to fulfill the mission that you've given me. Jesus recognized that his time had come. And then he says, so, Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. For Jesus Christ, there's glory in the cross. He is glorified and lifted up on the cross, but it brings glory to the Father, and we see that Jesus has this heart to glorify the Father through his, through his perfect obedience. Father, glorify me that I may glorify you, since you have given uh, hit me the Son authority over all people, so that... He, the Father, may give eternal life to everyone you have given Him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. And then again, Jesus says in verse 4, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work that you sent me to do. This, this work of redemption, this work of, of being a, a sacrifice, a ransom, the Redeemer on the cross. I have glorified you by completing that work. Jesus knew his mission right from the very beginning. In the book of Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus go to the temple, and this is his first public address of anyone. And then Luke chapter 4 tells us that he opens, the scroll to the book of Isaiah, and he reads these words The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus knew why he had come to bring freedom, to bring salvation, to bring healing to proclaim God's favor and blessing on the people. And Jesus fulfilled that at the cross. And so he said, my hour has come. I, I've glorified you by doing all that you have given me to do. And then verse five, he says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Now, there's two kinds of glory here that Jesus is talking about. The first is this, is this glory that comes from obedience. It's this glory that comes through total obedience and submission to the Father. Jesus submits to the Father's will. He completes the mission that the Father had given him. And through that, there comes glory. Glory on the life of Christ that reflects glory to the Father. So there's this glory of obedience, this glory of submission that takes place here. But in verse 5, Jesus talks about a different kind of glory. He says, Father, restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is an inherent glory, the glory of deity, because Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. Jesus is not just a man who obeys. Jesus is God who came in human flesh. And he says, Father, restore to me the glory that I had with you before the world began. The glory where Jesus was instrumental in creation. The glory where Jesus was instrumental in speaking into existence and sustaining and holding together everything that has ever existed. It's the glory that we're taught about in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul says, though Jesus was God, he did not consider that equality with God something to cling to or hold on to, but he laid it aside. And he, and he took on the form of a man and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross and so God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and tongue would confess of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth and and they would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a glory in Christ obedience but, but make no mistake Christ has a glory that is all his own that he shares with the Father it's the glory of the Godhead, and Jesus says, Father, I've fulfilled my mission, now restore that glory to me. He says, I've revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world, they were yours, you gave them to me. He's, he's talking about us. Those of us who have been adopted as sons and daughters of God. We are the people of God, and he has given us to Christ as a gift. What an incredible thought. Did you know that you are a gift to Jesus Christ? That God has, has redeemed us and he has given us to the Son. That's what the Scripture tells us. Now, they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I've given them the words you gave me. Remember, over and over in Scripture, Jesus says, I don't say anything on my own. I only say what the Father has told me to say. And Jesus has given us the words of the Father. What an incredible, incredible gift this scripture is. The very breathed out words of God, written down by men but inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have the very words of God. Jesus said, I've given them your word Jesus taught and his teachings are recorded in scripture. They've received them. They've known for certain that I came from you. They've believed that you sent me. Now, Jesus is pretty generous in this little section right here. He says, I've given them your word and they've obeyed your word. Eh, Sometimes. But we're going to see that it's not about our perfect obedience, but about... The one who gave us the words and the fact that the Father has redeemed us. Verse 9, I pray for them. Man, what a thought. What a thought. Jesus says, I prayed for them. Every once in a while, I'll get a text from somebody that just says, Hey, praying for you today. And every time I get a text like that, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged and, and God knows that so many times those come at just the right moment when I need to be reminded that somebody's praying for me. Maybe, maybe you've gotten a text like that or maybe you've seen someone and they said, hey, I, I've been praying for you or, or maybe you just have stood by and experienced someone who said, could I pray for you right now? And they pray for you. And that man, that, that, that encourages my soul. But for Jesus Christ to say, I have I prayed for them. I pray for them. What a thought. I'm not praying for the world. That is the people of the world who are not in Christ. I'm praying for my people, those you have given me, because they are yours. And then this verse 10, which is really what our message is gonna be about today. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. It's talking about us. And I am glorified in them. Jesus invites us into this incredible mission of carrying the glory of God into the world. I am glorified in them. What a thought. I am glorified in them. So, remember, I mentioned just a minute ago there there were these two different kinds of glory that Jesus is talking about. There's this glory of obedience and and then there's the glory of the Godhead. Now Jesus clearly does not invite us into the glory of the Godhead. That is is not what we're talking about. I just wanna be really clear. But Jesus does invite us into this glory of obedience. This obedience uh, of of the Father and obedience of Jesus Christ that, that leads to glorification Of God. Paul begins to explain this idea of glory. Uh, He he kind of spends time in a lot of his letters in the New Testament explaining this idea of glory. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the apostle Paul writes these words, "'God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory.'" It's this idea that Christ in us is revealing God's glory to the world. I love this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul was talking uh, at the beginning of the chapter about the, the covenant of God between the Old Testament through the law and the New Testament through Jesus Christ, and he finishes this incredible chapter by saying, we all with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image, the same image of God's glory that we're looking at from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's this idea, again, that we're called to carry God's glory into the world. And in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul uh, gives us uh, a little more clarity on this idea when he says, it was God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. He is shining out of our hearts to give the light of the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. And I don't think I have it on the screen, but the very next verse, verse seven says, so we hold this treasure, this glory in in earthen vessels, jars of clay, so that the glory goes to God and not to us. In other words, we are unworthy vessels and yet God has entrusted us to carry the glory. We're We're like little kids carrying that glass of lemonade and yet God has entrusted us to carry the glory so, real quick, we're gonna talk about how we do that. It comes right out of John chapter 17. But I found this incredible quote this week by a British pastor, his name is David Martin Lloyd-Jones, and uh, he he wrote extensively about John 17. And I I found this quote that, for me, uh, really, really drove home what we see Jesus Christ teaching us and entrusting to us here. So listen, listen to this. Now we must pause for a moment at this point just so that we may consider the privilege of being a Christian. Let us look at the fact that you and I are put into a position in which Christ can be glorified in us. For that is precisely what we're told. But how sadly lacking we are in this realization of our privilege. Everybody's interested in privileges. The newspapers are full of it. People are fighting for them. They will spend fortunes in order to get a certain privilege or position or to hold on to one. But is there anything that the world has ever known which is in any way comparable to this? The pomp and greatness and ceremony of the world just vanish into utter insignificance by the side of what is said here about any and every Christian. Namely, that to us is given this astounding privilege of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, that he, the Son of God, the brilliance and brightness of the Father's face should be glorified in us. Church, that should blow your mind. That Jesus has entrusted to us such an incredible task, such an incredible privilege. He prays to the Father and says, Father, I am glorified in them. I am glorified in them. So what does this look like? What does this look like? What is the practical application of our carrying God's glory into the world? Well, the first thing is this. We glorify God when we live on mission. When we live on mission. As we saw at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus was really clear. Father, the hour has come. My time has come to fulfill the mission which you've given me. And I have completed it. And then Jesus calls us into mission In verse 15 and 16 of John chapter 17, Jesus says, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then verse 18 says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, Father, just as you've sent me, I am sending them. The mission that you gave me, I am now giving to them to proclaim your glory and your salvation and your redemption to the world. Jesus is entrusting us. I am sending them just as you have sent me. Anytime Jesus says something like that, look, he's, he's saying, Father, the same way that you sent me, that exact same way I am sending them, that's, that's crazy. That should fill you with awe and wonder. And we are called to live on mission. And when we do, we bring glory to God. But here's the thing. We get so distracted, don't we? Because <laughs> there's lots of things we want to do. There's lots of things we want to acquire. There's lots of of kingdoms that we want to build, and we lose track of the mission. We lose track of the fact, of the reality, of the privilege that Jesus has called us to carry God's glory, to declare his greatness among the whole world, as Paul reminded us, to proclaim his good news, his gospel, his salvation. Jesus understood his mission and he wants us to understand that same mission and when we live on mission we bring glory to God and we are invited into this incredible uh, unity of the Trinity where Jesus says Father glorify me so I can glorify you And, and in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit who would glorify Him. And there's this idea of the Father glorifying the Son and the Son glorifying, uh, and the Spirit, the Son glorifying the Father and the Spirit glorifying the Son. And then He invites us into that same unity. It's an incredible thought. He invites us to live on mission So what is the mission of your life? And we, we, we all can give Sunday school answers to that. Oh, I wanna glorify God. Oh, I wanna tell people about Jesus. But practically, if people looked at where you spent your time and your money and your energy, what would they say you are living to accomplish? What mission does your life declare? What is the mission of your life? As we are invited into this reality of carrying God's glory into the world, we're invited into mission, and so we must ask ourselves, what is the mission of my life? What mission does my life demonstrate for those who are watching? We glorify God when we live on mission. We also glorify God when we live in holiness. Holiness. Holiness is a word that we don't talk about much in the church anymore. It's a word some people don't like because holiness implies that there is an unholiness, sin, that somehow that Life and truth is not just up to our own discretion. That God has a standard. That, that standard is holiness. And if there is a holiness of God, that implies that we can step outside of his holiness into sin. And, and people don't like to be reminded about that. But Jesus calls us into holiness in verse 17. He says, sanctify them. That word sanctify means to make holy. Make them holy, make them set apart. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And then verse 19 says, I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Now, if we want to understand holiness, we can look at the way Jesus describes us as being sanctified or being made holy. He says it's by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Make them holy by the truth. He says it again in verse 18. They may be sanctified by the truth, made holy by the truth. And holiness really is as simple as this. There is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. God has declared his truth to us. God's truth is preserved in his word for us. Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. When we step outside of God's truth, we are living in a lie. Scripture says that, the devil, our enemy, is the father of lies. And when he speaks in lies, he speaks his native language. I, I love the clarity of that statement. And so, when we see truths in God's word and we say, eh, eh, I don't like that one. I, I don't like that one. That doesn't make any sense in the 21st century. Surely that doesn't apply anymore then we are twisting God's truth. We are living outside of his truth and by definition, we are living in sin. So Jesus says, make them holy, sanctify them by your truth, by your truth, by your truth, by your truth, by your truth. And then Jesus says, I've given them your word. Your word is truth. I've given them all that they need through your word. And so the question here are there any areas of your life where you know that you're living outside of God's truth? And you're just making excuses for it. I know I shouldn't do that, but it's not that big a deal. I know I shouldn't do that, but everybody does it. I I know scripture says that's sin, but come on, it's the 21st century. I read an article one time that told me that's not sin, so that must not be sin. Well, have you read God's word? (laughs) Because it said it was. (laughs) We love to find excuses and ways around the truth. But if we want to live on mission, carrying God's glory into the world, we have to live lives of holiness and truth. Live on mission, we live in holiness. And then the third thing, we glorify God when we live in unity. When we live in unity, verse 20 begins with this I pray not only for these, that's Jesus' disciples, the 12, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that's you and me. We are recipients of the gospel that was preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And from generation to generation, God's truth has been proclaimed by people who carried his glory into the world. And that's what we're invited into. Jesus says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one. Remember this idea of the unity of the Trinity as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. He has given us the glory that God gave him, this glory of obedience, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be completely one. Listen to this, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, you and me as you have loved me, Jesus Christ. The love with which the Father loved the Son is given to you and me. Not a similar kind of love, not, not a slightly less kind of love. The way you loved me, you have loved them. What an incredible thought. So he calls us to live in unity, Lord, let them be one as we are one. I am in, you are in me, I am in you and they are in us. Let them live in unity and you know, we live in a world that ah, people are just biting and devouring, so divided, so polarized. And what if we really did live in unity? Yeah, but I don't agree with them. Get over yourself. What if we really did live in unity? So where does this idea, where where does this unity come from? I I think it really comes from this idea where where we feel like we have to prove something. Right, we have to prove that we're smarter than the next guy and so we gotta argue all the time. We gotta prove that we're more spiritual than the other person so we have to talk about our, you know, how we're right and they're wrong. We have to prove that, that you know, that, that we're not dumb. I need everybody to know how smart I am. So I got to argue with them. So they know all the things that I know. And when they know what I know, then they're just going to be like, wow. When we do that, we're trying to heap glory on ourselves. It's about us. It's about our argument, it's about our smarts, it's about our achievement, it's about our opinion, it's about us. So when we live in unity, it's no longer about us. Now the only way this works is if we can understand what Jesus says here in verse 23. You have loved them as you have loved me. Because when we understand that God has loved us the same way that he loved Jesus, then what do we have to prove, guys? What do we have to prove? Why do we need to win every argument? Because the Father has loved us the same way he loved the Son. I love seeing families that are, that are tight uh, because I love to see confidence in children. You know, and I'm not talking about cockiness or swagger. I'm talking about a kid that doesn't, they're not afraid all the time because they know that they have a home and that they have a family that loves them and cares for them. And, and whatever that punk said at school doesn't change who they are. And, and they don't have to live for everybody's opinion and praise and they don't have to give in to peer pressure all the time because they're confident. Not because they're somebody special, but because they're loved by a mom and a dad and a church community and grandparents. So they don't have to argue, they don't have to fight, they don't have to prove themselves all the time. That's what we're called into. The father has loved us with the love that he loved the son. So why, why do we have to try to prove our own worth? Because that's what leads to division. So we glorify God when we live on mission. What is the mission of your life? We glorify God when we live in holiness. Are you believing any lies? Are you making excuses for sin? We glorify God when we live in unity. Are you trying to build your name? Are you trying to glorify the name of the Father? Here's the last thing. We glorify God when we live in love. And I I just talked about this idea. Verse 23, you've loved them as you have loved me. But then listen to verse 26. This is the closing verse of the chapter. I made your name known to them. And I will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. How do we experience this love of God? Well, we allow Christ into our life so that the love you loved me with may be in them and I, Jesus Christ, may be in them. Church, we are called to be carriers of the glory of God. Jesus lived for God's glory. He was perfectly obedient even to the point of death. So God glorified him. And then Jesus said, Father, I'm coming to you. Glorify me with that glory I had before the world began. And now I'm gone, but I'm sending them into the world the same way that you sent me to live on mission. And I'm giving them your truth, so Father, sanctify them, make them holy by your truth, because you are glorified in that. And Father, help them to be one as we are one. I and you, you and me, and they are in us, so that the so that you would be glorified in them. And Father, I'll continue to make your name known to them so that the love you had. The love you love me with may be in them and I may be in them. This is not a message about try harder to glorify God because that doesn't work. Here's the message. What an incredible thought and privilege that Jesus Christ has invited us to carry God's glory into the world. And if you can't be blown away by that, then then you're missing the point of the gospel. And because of this incredible privilege, because of this incredible calling, because God has loved us with the same love with which he loved the Son, how would we not want to live on mission? And how would we not want to live our lives in line with his truth and holiness? And how would we not want to live in unity so that we could declare his glory? Because it's not about my opinion and it's not about my kingdom and it's not about making a name for myself. It's about carrying God's glory into the world. So, are you living in his love? Have you experienced his love? Not just God loves you, not just Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Have you experienced his love by accepting his gift of salvation? Have you experienced his love by surrendering your will and your life to him so that Christ would live in you? It's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, 27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That comes through surrender. Surrender is, uh, I think, a, a, surrender helps us understand the word faith. Because faith is, has become just an easy word faith, hope, and love. I got faith. But faith is more than just, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that. I'll add that to the list of things that I believe. Faith that Scripture talks about is a surrender. It's, a, it's a, all of those other things. I give those up and I surrender to the truth. I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn from doing life on my own terms. I turn from trying to make a name for myself and I turn to you father so maybe today you need to come and surrender your life to Christ maybe you've never done that Jesus Christ came and he came for a specific purpose and mission as we talked about this morning that was to give his life as a ransom a payment for my sin and your sin on the cross and when we put our faith in that when we surrender to that truth confess the name of Jesus he saves us and we become one of these people that this scripture is talking about father you have given me those who are yours we become one of the father's special children maybe that's you today you need to come to Jesus in faith Maybe you're a believer and and you just needed to be reminded that you are called to carry God's glory into the world because maybe you've gotten off mission a little bit because we all do. It's called mission drift. Have you ever heard that term, mission drift? This was what we started to do, but all of a sudden we're doing all these other things over here. It's what happens anytime I try to, I mean, I can, Frankly, I'm getting to the age where I can go upstairs in my house to get something and I forgot what I went up there to get. Anybody anybody with me? And in our humanity, we're prone to that. In our, pro, in our humanity, we're prone to drift off mission. We're prone to drift out of unity. We're, we're prone to drift out of holiness. The old song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We're prone to wonder. We're like the kid, right, with the lemonade. (laughs) And we're going to spill the lemonade sometimes. Jesus didn't call us to do it all perfectly. He said, Father, they've obeyed the words I've given them. You haven't obeyed all the words he gave you. I haven't obeyed all the words he gave me. Because it's not about me. It's not about my glory. I'm carrying something that is not mine. I'm carrying his glory. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says, We hold this glory, this treasure in, in shaky, broken vessels. So that the glory is not ours, but his. And so this morning, as Jesus invites us, I invite you to carry the glory of the Lord into the world. Let's stand up. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing the words to the song we sang a little bit earlier that just says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but God, you never will. And as we seek to carry God's glory into the world, that truth needs to be at the front of our heart and mind. We can carry his glory because he's loved us with the same love with which he loved the Son. And he's invited us into this reality. God, we love you. Thank you for your incredible incredible love for us. Lord, help us to be overwhelmed by that love, in awe of that love, and in awe of what you have called us and privileged us and allowed us to be a part of. Lord, help us to carry your glory into the world. Lord, I pray if we've drifted off mission, if we've drifted out of holiness, if we've drifted out of unity, Lord, draw us back by your love this morning. Lord, if there's any here today who does not know you as Savior, they've never come to you in faith. pray that you would call them and that they would respond today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing, I I just want to invite you to respond. Maybe you just want to come pray today and say, Lord, help me to live on mission for your glory. Help me to live in unity for your glory. Help me to live in holiness for your glory. Maybe you want to pray with somebody this morning. I'll be right down here in the front. I would love to pray with you. And there are others who would be willing to pray with you this morning. Let's just pray that we would carry his glory into the world. Let's sing out together.